0: to the ALT Insider Podcast dedicated to making you have the most fun possible while living or dreaming about living in Japan. Whether you've been here for years or are just starting to consider it, we've got you covered. And now, your host, broadcasting from somewhere in Japan,
1: james james here alt insider podcast coming at you with episode number 146 thanks for coming on down for this first week of february for listening to this live in 2018 this this podcast is part of the japan podcast network if you want to check out other awesome podcasts about japan go to japanpodcastnetwork.com patreon news we are one person away from the first goal which is a monthly video q a with me my beautiful face, once a month, answering questions that you ask. Only the Patreons can ask. Uh, so if you want to make that happen, head on over to the Patreon page, uh, ALTinsider.com. <laughs> Lt will have the link there for you. And uh, join the awesome individuals that are helping support ALTinsider.com and the Insider podcast and a lot of other stuff. So thanks for that. To those people, one person away, let's make it happen. This week, Stephen from 47 Regions drops in. And uh, yeah, he's, he's responsible for, with him and his partner responsible for a kickstart about Japanese manhole t-shirts. And of course I'll put the links in the show notes page, but, uh, besides the t-shirts, which you, of course you should go check that out. There's three days left on the, uh, on the campaign. If you're listening to this live on the Feb- sec- February 2nd, but, uh, yeah, go check it out. You can obviously buy them afterwards as well. They're really cool. But besides the t-shirts, which are awesome, uh, this is an example of a person that's just a real, a person that makes it happen. And, uh, you know, he found a, he, he when he came to Japan. He, his first job was a job that wasn't teaching English. Then, because that job folded or that job, he got kind of that that company f- failed. He had to find a, he went to English teaching because he had no he couldn't find something else. But after he lear- he really felt like that wasn't for him. He found another non English teaching job, and then after he sensed opportunity there, a different opportunity, he went and did that. and He started his own business, and. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of person I really respect. You know, that's, I mean, I respect a lot of the people too, but this is the kind of person I really extra respect. Uh, you know, he made it happen, you know. He could have stayed in that job at the Aikaiwa, not liking it, but living in Japan nonetheless, and just become more bitter as the years go on. But that wasn't what he wanted to do. That wasn't enough for him. And he put in the work to make it happen. And so, if nothing else, for you out there, if you're in, you're, you, you, you know, if you want to teach English forever and that's your, your goal, I hope you can be the best English teacher you can be. And, uh, that, I hope that you continue doing that forever. But I know a lot of you out there don't want to be English teachers forever. So just know you can make it happen. Don't let, don't let you thinking you can't make it happen be the reason you don't make it happen. There are thousands of people out there not teaching English in Japan and having a great time and making money doing it. There's no root reason that you can't be doing that same thing. Just like Stephen here made it happen. So without further ado, let's get to it. Stephen from 47 Regions. Enjoy. All right, guys. Very special guest here. I'm speaking here with Steven from 47 Regions who just had a Kickstarter campaign. Just went successful and selling some T-shirts. And I want to learn all about that a little bit later. But first, I want to learn about you, Stephen. So uh, what are you currently doing here in Japan for us uh, professionally?
0: All right, Hi, James. Thanks for having me on your show. Currently, I'm working for myself. Um, as Kojin Jikyo, like a sole trader. I set up my own small business. Um, I'm actually working for – it's kind of like a man with a van type deal. So I help foreigners in Tokyo who um, need to move or need to get items delivered.
1: Oh, that sounds pretty cool. So um, obviously yeah. you can't – that sounds like a job that you can't start in Japan doing. Uh, yes, so that, that's that, correct. Let's go back to your, your history. How did you start your career in Japan? Then we'll work up to, to today. Okay.
0: So we have to go back a little bit. Um, I came to Japan first in 2007. And I was very fortunate. I was one of the few countries at the time that had the working holiday visa. Uh Um, I'm from Ireland. And that just became available that year. And I was one of the first people to jump on that. And um, I came over for the year. And I traveled around and did odd jobs. Anything that was available. And... When the year was up, I was fortunate enough, just towards the end, to find a job at a car export company.
1: Wow. Okay. So, so how did you how did you find a job like that? Because I don't know, I don't know your Japanese school at that point or anything, but it seems like a tough, you know, not an easy job to find. It's, it's a unique job for sure. How did you find that job?
0: Trust. Um, I'm not too sure myself as well. It was more I would have taken on any job at that stage. I wanted to stay in Japan. I was looking for the visa. Um, it's not something I had a passion for or even knew about before it came up. Um, I was searching online. I think it was Career Cross or something like that. Mm-hmm. This is going back, so I don't even know if these sites still exist anymore. Yeah. And it was a sales position. Um, so I had no experience or anything like that before. But Basically, they listed off all the details of what the job entails. And I was looking there and I was like, I, I, th- I can do that. I think I can do that. And I could chat with people. I know Japanese cars are very popular in Ireland before I came to Japan. and They were all over the place. So I went for an interview and it was a very laid-back company. It was run by an Australian guy and there was about 10 other foreigners working there. Um, it was mostly commission-based after the first three months, so you have to be on the phone a lot and gathering customers from anywhere in the world. But um, that went well and I did that for probably about two years or so and then the company went out of business i think it was with the whole lehman brothers shock or whatever they're calling it yeah Um, yeah, yeah. no one was buying cars anymore so i was back to square one again and i was desperate to stay in japan my visa was just coming up at that stage as well so um i got a job at an eikaiwa
1: okay so then you got a job at eikaiwa and then what do you think about that? You know, you, most people start being a teacher, but you kind of did something else and then got into teaching. So how, how did you feel about that job? Um,
0: so I wasn't happy about the way it went, um, going from the job I had before to teaching at an Aikawa. Um It was a great school, uh, lovely students. I did enjoy it. There was a few things that, you know, over the years just got, on, got on top of you and the stress started adding up. And there was no real way to progress in that job. Uh And even then, if you're going to the next level, which is, let's say, management, sure, the pay is a lot better, but the hours are almost doubled.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: So (laughs) after about three years of that, um, I had enough. That was it. I I was done. I was losing my inspiration to stay in Japan. It was the... Same old 1 o'clock in the afternoon to 9 o'clock in the evening. You can't do anything in the morning. You can't really do anything afterwards except go drinking or eating. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know if they live in Japan and their teachers kind of fall into that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sleeping
0: on in the morning and then going out afterwards. Mm And I... Decided something needed to be changed.
1: Okay, so that's a tough. Uh, I came to that same conclusion myself. AK wasn't for me. So, how did you make yeah. the change? What did you do to, to kind of you know? Did you jump without a safety net, or did you just kind of get a second job lined up? What did you do?
0: Um, it was without a safety net. Yeah, I I had a couple of months where I decided, okay, I'm going to leave. I don't know what the next step is. I hadn't really any ideas at that stage. So I again got on the internet, spoke with friends. I just said, I'm going to try anything. I'm going to try something different, something that I've never done before, or it's make or break. If I don't find something, I'm going to go back to Ireland and try and set up something there. Uh-huh. So after a while of searching, I found a job at a Japanese moving company. Um, and that was initially as a sales position. Um, so there was a lot of foreigners in Japan and a lot of, Businesses in Japan that cater towards foreigners, such as real estate companies, Japanese language schools, the list goes on. And they needed someone to visit all these places and let them know about our services and how we can help foreigners move in Japan with English-speaking staff.
1: Okay. So, again, you found a job without that doesn't require, I mean, I'm not sure that'd be a skill, but you didn't require much Japanese again. You found another job like that.
0: Yes. so my Japanese was improving at that stage. Um, probably just over N three at that stage. Okay. Um, I could get a, I could get by and do what I needed to do, but I was not at a business level by any okay. means.
1: Okay. So you found another cool job and you're doing that. Um. So how did you find yeah. this? How did you find this experience? I think I
0: just did very well in the interview again, or maybe the position wasn't um, suitable to most foreigners in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um. They did want me to train at the start as well to lift fridges and washing machines and help out where possible and the main reason for that was for me to go to um these businesses and do sales and give a price i need to know how tough it is what the movers are doing every day what's the difference between you know ground floor and a third floor and 10 boxes and 100 boxes (laughs) and how just difficult that is so um maybe once a week they'd send me out to help them and to be honest i enjoyed that more than the sales it was, you go out there, you lift the items, you get them in to the customer's apartment and you're done. You're going home. The day's over. You don't think about anything afterwards. There's no stress. It was very straightforward. Yeah. Um. But I can't really pinpoint how I got this job. I think it was just, I was one of the first few to apply and go for an interview and I was free right away because I had that two month period before I was deciding to go back to Ireland. Yeah. And um, I guess that was it.
1: I guess. So you don't have to get into specific numbers here. But for, you know, yeah. some people out there, how much could someone expect to make in that kind of position of, of moving company in Tokyo?
0: Um, I'm not sure about all of them. And I was with a Japanese moving company. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not sales or commissions when you're doing the moves. Um, so it would basically be just another eikawa, an average Japanese salary, like two hundred eighty, three hundred thousand 300,000
1: yen. Okay. So yeah, it's definitely, but that's just the same as you expect in Kaiwa. So yeah, it's something, that's yeah. an option for some people maybe could think about. So yeah, so that's oh, definitely. Oh, uh, definitely. So then you, you kind of, ha- somehow this came to an end. How did that come to an end and what was your next step?
0: It came to an end when I decided that I could do something like this myself. Okay. So I was only there for just over six months. So it was a very short experience of that company. But in that time, there were numerous foreigners who would call, or contact me or I'd meet out and about on the street they'd just come over hey you've got a van what are you doing and they'd a- ask for my services or the company services at that stage um, but with most Japanese companies um, moving companies they're looking for the big sweet moves you know a big truck moving households where the big money is
1: Yeah.
0: and most of the foreigners in Japan they come over here they're only here a year or two they've got their suitcase a few boxes maybe a bed and maybe a fridge And it was apparently small game for this company. And they weren't really interested in finding the time to help these people move. Um, So that's when I decided, like, all I need is a small van, set up a small business, and I'll be able to um, help them move.
1: Wow, okay. So then... Whenever I hear starting up a business in Japan, I think of that one. You know, I st- I've tried to start up a business before in Japan. It's a lot of paperwork, and you've got to prove a lot of stuff, a lot of income. Yes. And, and, and more importantly, you have to have a visa. So, how did you yes. handle that side of things? So a lot of people come up to me, ask me, send me emails with good ideas, but you yeah. know, if it, you, can't, you don't have a visa, you can't do it. So, like, how did you kind of get past that hurdle?
0: Okay, I was very fortunate in a couple of ways. Um, I'm currently married now, so my visa is no longer an issue, and that's a huge weight yeah, off yeah. my shoulders. But at that stage, I still had a probably about two and a half years left on the specialist in humanities visa.
1: Okay.
0: So I was able to um, approach the immigration, and I let them know first of all what I'm doing. And there's no v- moving, there's no visa for a moving company for moving stuff around, so it wasn't going to work like that. Yeah. But then I let them know that my market is for foreigners. I'm using English and. I have contracts with other Japanese companies, other moving companies that I have met um, when I was out and about doing my own moves and working for the previous company. So I did kind of, I guess people call it the self-sponsorship visa.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Um, I don't actually think that's an official name, but I was able to gather some contracts from the Japanese companies that I had worked for before or that I met during the moves by either introducing customers to them So, kind of like doing sales for them, you could say, Um, doing my moves myself, but mainly focusing for the visa, it was um, using English. Language as a skill.
1: So that's um that's that's uh I know it's not we can't go through exactly step by step what you did there. But yeah. Let's go like a little bit. Cause that's a that's a hot topic there. So how did you approach these companies and say, hey, I need help with my visa? Because you know a, a lot of companies say, you know, go yeah. oh, f yourself. I don't want I don't have time for this crap. Get out of my office. You know. But so how did you kind of approach them and say, hey, I need some help with my visa thing. I need a contract here. Or how did you yeah. did you, did you bring that the, the visa side of it into the conversation at all? Or how did you get the contracts? I guess.
0: Um, at the start, I did not bring the visa into it. Uh-huh. I just knew, first of all, that if I was able to get the, because all you need from them is um, a contract, basically, or a piece of paper, a letter from them saying that they're going to pay you this amount of money or roughly this amount of money every month for whatever amount of time. So that was pretty straightforward to get. okay now A couple of the companies originally I started with, they were um, people that I'd met when I was working for the other moving company and they had their own small delivery services. So they were happy to help out. For other companies, I just went and did some sales with them and introduced some customers to them. And they were slowly giving me a few jobs every so often. So I was able to gather the letters, contracts, whatever was needed, whatever immigration would accept. And then I just brought everything down to them and that was that.
1: Oh, cool. So you, so let me just a recap to make sure I'm understanding. So you kind of, there was other, there was bigger companies that are handling these huge moves, you know, they're moving houses, moving whole apartments. Yeah. You, they would kind of throw you a bone, uh, with the smaller kind of stuff that would not be worth their time, but it would be worth your time basically.
0: Yes. And then vice versa. When anything large came along or let's say an expat who was moving abroad and a huge container load of stuff, which is very common. I would send one of these three companies, the customer, so it worked both ways.
1: Okay, cool. Okay, so then you you've created this business. Wow, you you have these you have contacts and stuff. That's sounding good to me. So yeah. how did you how how are you how are you finding it? Was there any kind of you know tough going? Good, you know any kind of interesting stories? Anything you want to share from how it's going and how long you've been doing it? I've been doing it
0: since two thousand and twelve. Okay, so that's uh, the end of two thousand twelve. So let's say two thousand thirteen then. To um, so be honest, it's been great. Um, It ticked off a few of the things I was looking for when I was going out and working for myself or looking for something different in Japan, such as not having a a boss. Well, actually, that was probably the main one. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And having more freedom so I can travel around or do whatever I want, basically. But I quickly realized that you don't get that much freedom. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're making big bucks in Japan. And if you're making big bucks, you're probably working very hard. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, so it was a struggle, to be honest. Um, there are some very good months. Then there are some very, very quiet months. You have to ration your money for the year mm-hmm. when it's when you save up, when it's going good. Um, and one of the other concerns, of course, is, you know, physical health. Yeah. Um. I don't have, I don't even know if it exists, some insurance. If I get injured on the job, that's, they will pay my insurance or anything like that. I don't have anything like that. Not many people do. So I have to be very careful, and I've had some small uh, small little trips over the years, non-work-related, just you're outside, you trip or something like that, and you sprain a wrist, and you're out of work for the next few weeks, maybe months. Yeah. And it's always been scary. So to be honest, this whole time as well, I've always been thinking of new ideas. I have so many customers And I get to hear all their stories and what they're doing and how Japan's going for them. I'm just gathering all these different ideas and seeing if I can come up with something for myself.
1: Cool. Yeah, it sounds like that sounds like me. Like when I first started working for myself, uh, I never worked harder than when I started working for myself. That's what I tell people, you know, like it's, it sounds exactly. like a good idea, but you work a lot harder when you know the harder you work, yeah. and the money you get, you know? So, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's it. Yeah. That's so, okay. Exactly so, let's,
1: speaking of ID, I, well, I guess before, yeah. before I get, go on to this Kickstarter and, and 47 regions, uh, yeah. I want to know about what's your future goals. Like, are you looking for the expansion opportunities or is it kind of just because you're by yourself? It's kind of not that simple, I know. But what do you kind of think about for the future? I'm
0: trying to phase myself. Out of
1: it.
0: Uh-huh. It's always it's a great job. It's handy to have you know my customers and to help them move. And I really do enjoy it. I get to travel all around, mostly Tokyo, see new places. I meet so many interesting people. But mainly, I'm just concerned about you know injuring myself yeah. on or off the job. And that's that's it. It's gone. As I said, I got married there recently as well. So now I've you get have a family to think about. So it changes my perspective um on everything
1: yeah
0: and i need to have something that i can work on even if i'm injured or not that's or true. if it's raining or snowing outside or not like the last few days in tokyo there's no moves going on then
1: oh yeah that's true yeah i didn't think about that yeah you got to think about that but okay so speaking of yep. a, speaking of a uh, another a plan B, if you will. Not plan B yeah. is the wrong word, but another thing. You yeah. just had a successful Kickstarter, which is selling t shirts, and yes, t shirts are, are designed like manholes. So it's pretty cool. Manholes are a hot yep. thing, a hot thing in Japan. A lot of. Yes. I always I, I say I think foreigners are more excited about it than, than Japanese people. But what, would you agree with that statement first? Pretty much,
0: yes. There is a huge market, though, in Japan. It's a little boom, but it's more of a cult with a few thousand people that are mad for manhole covers. Yeah, yeah. But overall, foreigners definitely. They really do appreciate them. There's nothing like this in other countries.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, what kind of what kind of gave you the idea to start this kind of this business t shirt thing? What kind of was your the 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 spark that said, "Hey, we should do this. We should make this thing a reality."
0: I had my friend Kevin. He's my business partner, and we're working on this together. He's also from Ireland, and we'd go out in our little wink, weekly drinks, and we'd be sitting around there, like most foreigners do in Japan. You'd see ideas, or you'd see stuff. You'd see another foreigner in Japan who did. Something very simple, but made a business and made his money from it. And we were always very envious um, of all these people. So we just sit around every week and just just meet up, have a couple of drinks, and talk about things that are going on and what ideas can we do. And we were, you we were both very interested in Japan. We were very interested in exporting stuff from Japan, selling stuff from Japan. Uh-huh. And initially we were thinking along the lines of maybe, oh, something like if we're kind of like a middleman in Japan, we purchase stuff for people on their behalf or, you know, get the tickets for them or help them out with hotel bookings or anything like that. Um, It was where we we were originally going. And then, how did it pop into our head? (laughs) Um, How? I actually don't know what the initial spark was for it all. We both have seen the manhole covers. Um I guess I think we were looking at the T shirt prints I think it was when we were in Harajuku. Okay. And if I know if you go down the Takashadori, there are a couple of small little souvenir shops down the side of the streets. And they have basic t shirts, like I Love Tokyo, or a little Godzilla on there or something. Very, very simple but appealing to- towards the tourists. like, uh-huh. Oh, that'd be a cool idea, you know, the the, the designs are so simple, we could do that. And I guess it just kind of grew from there, like maybe getting into t shirts, um, tourist t shirts, and stuff like that. And one of the days we just came up with the manhole covers. Now we've both seen them before. I have numerous pictures from my travels as well. And we didn't even know it was going to be possible or not because we obviously can't just steal art from the ground and slap it on a t shirt.
1: I was going to ask about that because your designs are real, the real manhole covers, right? Like, so yes, is, that's correct. Is, is, I don't know about the legality or anything like, is it public uh, property just to, I mean, is it, sorry, in the public domain? Are The manhole covers yeah. in public domain, I guess. Can you put them on a shirt and sell them and it's, it's totally fine le- legally?
0: Unfortunately not. Ah, okay. um, I wish it was that simple. It would have saved us months of paperwork <laughs> and stamps and faxes. Yeah, um, But we didn't even want to do that from the start. We originally, when we started this, we're going to do everything right above board um, from the very start and set up everything um, correctly. So our initial step was, can it be done? So we just got on the phone and started contacting uh, originally City Halls or the water companies or whatever we could find to f- find out who owned these designs.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And it turns out most of the time it's the City Hall that owns them, and then most of the time when they call them, they have no idea what we're talking about. Manhole cover designs, most of these designs as well are very old, yeah, and probably even before most of them were born as well. So no one has any record of them, who owns them, or how it all works. So it took months to get permission, and we have to go to each individual city. So let's say, for example, if it was in Tokyo, there's no... One office for all of Tokyo. We have to contact the small towns and the cities, and deal with each um, city office separately to get permission for these.
1: Wow, wow, that's that sounds like a lot of work. So, is there did they ask for financial uh, remuneration, or did they just ask for used to ask for permission, and they say yes or no?
0: Um, it depends on the city, but we have contracts with them. If they want a percentage, or if they want T-shirts to sell in their city um, hall shops or to give away at events or at events. Um, nothing was for free. Basically no, okay, we had okay. to pay along the way. Um, but to be honest, most of them were very happy when we were contacting them. Um, a lot of these are tiny cities, small, tiny cities, with small towns mm. and they are trying to get tourists to yeah. visit their city. And the last year, you know, as you might know, it was like almost 28 million foreign tourists visited Japan. Mm-hmm. And um, they're all trying to get in on that and get them to their city. Yeah, yeah. So they were very happy to help with us and work with us and give us some ideas and input and even promote our t-shirts in, as I said, in their shops or on their websites once everything is up and running. So we're very thankful for them. Um, it's been, it's been a pleasure to work with them. But as I was saying earlier, the paperwork, the phone calls, the letters—it's not straightforward at all. Like from Ireland, I'd expect it to be—I'd call them up and be like, sure, you're sure—that's no problem. Go ahead and use it, and maybe we'll send you an email. That's it. But no, in Japan, it's back and forth, back and forth.
1: Yeah. So how does you? You know, you said your your Japanese level uh, in the past was like N three or something. So how do you, a yes. lot of paperwork, a lot of a lot of uh, you know phone calls? Yeah. Who's how's that? Who's doing that, and how, how's that going? Because it has to be in Japanese, right?
0: Yes, unfortunately for both of us it was above our level. Um, I tried it once myself and I was successful, but that manhole cover design had been used for something else from a Japanese company before, perhaps a key ring. Oh. So they knew how it all worked. They had permission set forms ready and everything. Um, but for the moment we've had to hire a Japanese staff part-time oh. mm-hmm. to help us out with um dealing with the city offices. As I said, you can't mess around. You have to do it correctly from the start. And we need a a professional, fluent Japanese speaker.
1: That makes sense. Okay, so so let's talk about the the, the campaign. So now it has reached its goal of... 50, 000, 500 thousand yen so it's not yes. not a small it's not a small amount for sure but you passed it yep. so that's awesome uh so yes, um how much how did you i know kickstarter a big part of kickstarter if anyone doesn't know it's setting the goal right because if you set the goal yes. too big i was gonna say that's impossible i'm not yep. give money to that if you set it too low it's like well that will they even get their product to, to me if i put get some money because it's too low right so yeah how did you come up with that number you, you yourself
0: um like you were saying it, it took us a while to get there we were trying to find the right balance um, obviously we're not made of money as well, and it's not actually cheap to settle all this because we're actually sorry I didn't even mention it we're hand printing these ourselves so we needed to get the right equipment to do all of this
1: oh so, so we're like, not sorry, yeah, you're printing like in in your garage yeah. I guess
0: we've got it. a small office but it's in a friend's actually car garage so oh, okay, yes technically okay. so you, you could say that but it's <laughs> okay, a okay. sealed off room and basically we didn't want to just go get the designs and go to a company and hey print this off anybody could do that you know there's nothing unique um or straightforward about there's nothing unique about that so we decided we wanted to do this ourselves when we decided originally we came up with the idea for the t shirt and then for these designs we always wanted to do it ourselves we're both hands-on i said kevin he's very creative he's always working on some kind of project or something like that so our goal was to hand print these. So we can get more designs out that way. We can come up with new ideas. and We don't have to buy, let's say, a minimum order from some big printing company.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense for sure. So, um,
0: so for the number, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, back to the the goal. Yeah. Um, we set 500,000 yen. Now that will basically cover, cover most of our equipment. And maybe a little bit of ink. We're still going to be out of pocket and have to pay a lot of money for this. But, as you said, if we set it too high, um it might seem a bit ridiculous for two for people, like two million in for what for t-shirts. anybody could do that. You know you you'll get the the haters will come along then. yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> so
0: um and it might't reach the goal. It might get up to a million and then you don't get anything. And too low as well, as you were saying. People just think you're using for free promotion and they're also worried if you're going to get it and why do you even need that amount of money? Yeah. Um, so we just thought 500,000 yen was a good number, covers, um, some of our machinery and most of the inks and the rest of the stuff will happily, um, pay out of pocket for it and invest our money into it. You know, as we said, we've got over a hundred backers now. So I think it's going to be a popular. Um, design a popular idea, printing manhole cover T-shirts, and then we know that there are people out there who are interested.
1: Yeah, that's a good, good idea. So, and how do you kind of, how do you, you know, you have a few designs here. You have some from Chichibu, Fuji City, uh, Wakayama yep. Town, all these different places. So, how do you kind of choose the, the designs? Do you look online and just find the coolest ones, or how do you kind of, how did you choose these specific designs?
0: Um, we mostly looked online just to find out what cities had what designs first actually do have two books here as well, um, manhole cover books Um, right beside me here. Some Japanese fanatic cycled around all of Japan taking pictures of manhole covers. So I was able to get some insight into that um, of all the different uh, covers. And then online we just search and find some covers we like basically and then start the process of contacting the city offices.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. And also, I'm sure it must be tough when you find an awesome design, but then you can't contact them or they don't say yes. And it's kind of, ah, we can't use that one, right?
0: Yes. It's (laughs) happened a couple of times already where they just said no. They're within their rights and there's no problems there. Or also, um, the cities don't exist anymore. They've been merged or changed over the years. And nobody wants to deal with it in the city office. Because when we call them, nobody knows what we're talking about at the start usually. And even if they fig- then when they figure out no one wants to deal with them, no one wants to step up and take control of all of that because they have to make permission forms, they have to deal with us, they're not getting paid any extra. The- their boss probably just told them, Hey, also deal with this as part of your job. Uh-huh. So it it is a struggle when we're contacting and dealing with them.
1: It's gotta be tough. And you gotta yeah, but yeah, it's cool. Design's really cool. If you wanna check it out, go to kickstarter.com and uh it's, if you search for 47 Regions, you can find it. I'm sure you can search Japanese manhole t-shirts or something as well. Yep. Just uh, go, go to – I'll put it on the show notes page, ALTInsider.com. You'll see the link to the Kickstarter and everything. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about the future though. Is this like – is it doesn't appear to be a one-off thing. So you, you're trying to turn this into a real business in the future?
0: Yes, we are. We have the um, the name 47 Regions. We kept it generic but also related to Japan um, as 47 Regions. just basically covers – you know the 47 areas prefectures of Japan, and it gives us a lot of leeway if we want to go in another direction, but also Japan-based. But okay. the T-shirts um, we are going for 47 designs, one from every prefecture.
1: Oh, cool! Yeah. So I guess I guess this is your chance. Since obviously you've had a uh, uh, eventful time in Japan so far, you've you've seen you you can definitely handle yourself, and you can yeah. find different ways to make yourself uh, a living in Japan. So I guess a lot of people listening here. I listen to this show or teachers in Japan or doing something in Japan, but they're kind of looking for the next step. So what kind of advice would you give that kind of person that's trying to find something else? Something they really is close to the set in Japan because they don't want to be a teacher forever in Japan. What kind of advice would you give that person? Cause obviously you know how to, how to handle yep. yourself and how to do it. So what would you tell them?
0: Um, first off, it's not, it's not going to be a, a quick change. So you'll need to have savings. That's always what I'm saying to everyone. You'll need to have at least six months savings that you can live off, pay your rent. And once you have that, and you have um, some certain ideas of which direction you want to go. You just have to go on the phone, call everyone, open any door that's available um, online, contacting everyone. Um, is mostly what I have done over the years. Had some money to survive and then just got on the phone, got on the Internet, talked with anyone that would listen and see what was going on. Now, you can say I was very lucky. I just met the right people along the way, but um, I wouldn't have got there if I didn't. Uh, go out meet people, email any website um, that are offering jobs, and I always tried something different out of my comfort zone, something that I wouldn't usually do, um, and that was just you know to get out of the each, uh, English teaching gig. Mm-hmm. Um, so sorry. Uh, so basically, stay strong. There's <laughs> there's plenty of jobs out there. There's plenty of stuff I've met. Probably over a thousand foreigners over the years doing my uh, move, and only about 50% of them were English teachers in Japan. Everything else was, everyone else was in something completely unrelated to English teaching.
1: That's cool. There's definitely other options to do and you're a good example of that. There's definitely a lot of stuff you can do in Japan and uh, even if there is nothing you can create something like uh, you did, Steven did here, so that's pretty cool. So, good luck to you Steven. Good luck to 47 regions. I mean, you already got the goal, so I can't say good yeah. luck to your Kickstarter because it's already <laughs> happened. So, but yeah, go if you see think the shirts are cool, go there. You know, fun uh, give give them some what's it, with the back the back the project and get your own t-shirts and stuff. And you have different goals and stuff set up there, so go check that out for sure. But yeah, Steven, thanks for coming on today and good luck to the future.
0: No, problem. Thanks for listening to the ALT Insider Podcast. For more info on how you can have more fun working in Japan, visit altinsider.com. See you next time.